Hello and welcome back to the GA and Gem podcast. So we have another episode here today. This one is one for the coaches again. The last episode we had Kevin Walsh from Galway on and we talked a lot about coaching, setting up training sessions. So if you haven't watched that one, it's definitely worth uh, worth checking out. Um, also, just before we get into the podcast, if you haven't already checked out my Instagram, Quinn Strength Condition, that's where I'm putting up a lot of the training I'm doing with teams at the minute and a lot of my own programming, so you might find, um, might find some useful tips there. And then also we have some links to the programs that we offer, so once for off-season, we're building some speed, building some strength, building some fitness, so go and check those out. So the podcast today, um, in our football group chat this year, and I'm sure if you're in a football group chat, you keep getting sent videos from uh, these Twitter links of uh, analysis of different matches, kickouts, things along those lines and it always has come from the same place and that's from the lads at Game Sense Coaching. Um, went on their website, went on their Twitter page, went on the different resources they have and they've got so much um, good information out there and their analysis and breakdown of games and different moments in games I think is brilliant and something that every player and every coach should be looking at. So I was really excited to get chatting to them and um, this is a conversation I actually really enjoyed and I was writing notes as I went along. It's probably the first podcast I actually sat and was writing the full time. Um, so I'll probably be listening to it again to pick up some of the tips again. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the lads will tell you about the, their links to the pages and where you can find out more information on them. But um, yeah, without further ado, we have Game Sense Coaching on the podcast. Okay, so Stephen... Thanks for joining me. Um, so most people probably be aware of the website and the Twitter account, the Game Sense Coaching, but um, maybe you could give a wee bit of background on yourself and the rest of the lads involved with it, and then maybe a wee bit more about the website and what you offer, and then we can get chatting about some of these topics we have today. Sure, yeah. Um, so it all started, Oshin, for us when uh, I, I played football for Limerick until 2013, and then I retired, and then... Uh, Limerick Football had set up an academy and behind that was a former player, Murish Gavin and Paul Knurk. And everybody knows Paul now from his obviously coaching role with Limerick, but Paul actually played football for Limerick, so he was the teammate of mine for years. So they asked me, would I get involved? And when I got involved, I asked my brother Dave, would he get involved? So the two of us were involved for the academy for, I'm still involved with the academy, but we were there for about six, seven years. And throughout that time, Paul was doing a PhD in games-based training and basically, he wants to kind of use the academy to, um, what would you say, uh, as part of his thesis, you know, on the effects of game-based training over traditional training. So we, we did that with our, I think it was our under-15s at the time. And throughout that time, you know, you'd hand in sessions to Paul and get feedback, et cetera, et cetera. And our, basically, our game design started development over years and years. And we saw Colin Nally on Twitter gained great traction by what Colin was putting up. So we said, you know what? It might be no harm if if yeah. we um if we just try to build up a Twitter following and get the message out about just games based training. So that's what we did. And the original idea then, Oshin, was just we'd say, look, we'll just get a, maybe two or three thousand followers and we'll put out a book of the games that we've done over the last four or five years, whatever. But we got so much traction that we said that we might try and set up a website. And um the idea really, Oshin, it wouldn't happen only for COVID, because during lockdown, as you know, and as everybody knows, we had tons of time. So yeah, yeah. I was able to use tactical pad to make up all the animations of the game and meet a web design guy. And so that's what we went with it. Uh, and basically it's just based on our experience in the Limerick Academy, working with Paul for the last 2013, ne- nearly 10 years now at this stage. 
So we just felt strongly enough that it was a message that uh, it was a way that we really liked doing it and a way that the players really loved. And we thought that uh, if we kind of give people access to those resources, it might spread the word a small bit, basically. So you see where that kind of, you know, the small set of games you're talking about in the game sense, having that sort of um, emphasis on your training. How do you think that would be sort of different to like, you know, traditional training, like stuff we were talk- chatting about earlier beforehand? You know, where do you see the big difference being in that? Um, <clears throat> well, it's the learning side of it, I would say. Okay, so um, I'd probably go off on a tangent here now, Ashim, but what doing the PhD work with Paul made me realize, and obviously you think, because I'm, I'm a teacher for the last 22 years, so is Dave and so is Pete, right? Yeah. Is the absolute parallels that run between teaching and coaching because obviously they're both forms of learning and like this never struck out to me because I suppose the coaching environment I had been raised in the whole time was a traditional one where it was all drill based and high intensity but drill based very little opposition then maybe into some backs and forwards and then playing a game and like you don't really learn a whole pile in that because it doesn't represent what you're coming across in the pitch you know and and what struck me with the small side of games was if they're based on something, if they're based on a lesson that you want to, the, the players to learn, okay, or to explore, uh, they offer far more opportunities. Small side of games offer far more opportunities for the players to uh, take part in real active learning kind of, and even reflection, you know, and what I mean by that is true questioning, getting them to reflect on how the game went and what possibilities arose for them to, to implement in the game or where they made mistakes, what would they do again if they did it, so there was a huge chance for interactive learning. And in teaching, you'd call it kind of, you know, guided learning. That's what you call it in teaching. I knew, obviously, of guided learning, but I'd never really implemented it in training until I started to delve deeper and deeper into the, the work with Paul, basically. Yeah. You see within, like, uh, soccer, you know, it's kind of like the work Mourinho popularized, like the tactical periodization. And, you know, in all yeah. these days, there's a, like, principle of play focus with that work that you are doing, are you kind of always trying to focus on one or two principles of play and that be the sort of learning outcomes for the games or what, what way would you kind of go deciding the lessons, you know, for them games? So again, just when we were doing the, the, the PhD work, so Paul had it and like, you know, obviously the level of thinking into it was, you know, phenomenal, but he broke down the game into moments. Yeah. You know, so um, this might be maintaining possession. It might be support play. It might be transitioning the ball. It might be counterattack. So all these moments happen, occur within the game. And then these moments can be put into, uh, we call them categories in the game. Now, myself and Dave thought that the categories uh, would be something like uh, in possession, not in possession, kickouts for and against. And the last one we thought was a big one was uh, building a ball. Or building a score, Oshin, in Gaelic football in particular, not so much in hurling. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, uh, sorry, yeah, set pieces, kickouts is that one. So we said that they all fit into those kind of categories. So if we wanted to work on, we'll say, in possession, then our first one might be just maintaining possession, you know, and a principle of play for that might be uh, always, you know, options behind and beside the man or something like that in training. So yeah. we design the game based on the principle, you know, and then the players were hoping we'll get the idea that a principle of play that we'd like to implement or that's good for support playing football is that there's always more than one option to pass off the ball, you know? Yeah. So uh, the big thing is the principle 
designs the game. So the game is designed based off the principle and the session is based off the principle. And there might be a couple of principles in it that are that are very closely related to maintaining possession or support there or building the building the ball or transition or it depends like you might have two or three principles normally we would never go more than three in a in a, a training session just three key in, in teaching you call them learning outcomes uh-huh. uh, in, in in training we, we just say core messages so the session has a core message and really the core message are the principles you know and um, so that's that's how we go about designing sessions uh, is that obviously you might have games that you've used before that would perfectly fit into what you do sometimes you just come up with a new game uh, and you try it on like crap <laughs> it might be very good yeah. at all but you try it out like you know uh, so that's how we'd go with it yeah similar to what the soccer uh, Mourinho's principles you said there is that you'd have the game broken into moments the moments fit into categories and then you'll design a session based about principles to play based on one of those moments that's that's how it works and then when you're when you're going through that and you're going through the games how how do you go by giving feedback like do you st- like stop the games a lot if you see things you don't like or do you prefer to let the games run talk about points or do you try and let the players come to the conclusion themselves through the questions that you're you're asking uh, that depends right so because like like in teaching there's a load of ways they can learn all right so if we were designing a session or sheen like we'd have the learning outcomes all right and then we'd also anticipate what will go what the players, uh, what mistakes the players will make, all right? And that's, I, I, in my opinion, very important that, like, because I've been doing it a while now, so, you, you know, these things kind of repeat themselves, you know? Like, for us, for example, just to give you an example, right? Um, uh, we call it recycling, moving the ball. So when you're transitioning the ball, you know, you get caught in one wing, you might say switching the play, I don't know. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. different uh, language for it, but in, in our, when we're training, we call it recycling. So you move the ball from one side of the pitch to the other. When you're training young lads, like, it's, going to happen that they're just going to keep trying to funnel the ball up one wing the whole time so you anticipate that happening so you anticipate the mistakes you're going to make and then your questions that you prepare i always prepare questions will kind of guide them to the knowledge that if you keep forcing it up one wing you're going to get turned over and that the space is on the other wing so anticipate what's going to go wrong uh mistakes that be made then design questions that will facilitate their kind of thoughts or them thinking about what they could do as an alternative that's one way right Another way then is modeling, which is another phrase in teaching. You can model what you want. So you could get them, you could play a game, Oshin, and then you might model, get them to model what you want so they could run a play unopposed, right, of recycling from one side to the other. And then you could ask them about that, as in how did that go? Why would that be useful in the game we're playing? Yeah. And then put them back into game again. You could freeze the game, Osh, but I wouldn't do it too much because in small set of games, as you know, it's like three minutes or two minutes yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to spend too much time freezing game because what you're doing is you're stifling the learning as well if you keep freezing. You know, you're not giving them the opportunity to learn in the environment if you keep freezing the game. So yeah. I would that's a tool you might use once, maybe twice a night. And um, video, you can show them video, you know, you can show them video of a team, a good example. And then you can show them video of themselves. That's that's another way of sheen. You could ask them machine their opinion beforehand. What do they know about recycling? And then let them play the game and ask them then how it went for them, you know. So there's yeah. numerous ways. And that's what I found through training us is you better have a large repertoire of learning tools for them because one isn't enough. I, that makes sense. I, so there's no there's no real kind of clear clear way. I guess like I would always have kind of thought if, if you can get 
them to come come to the conclusion probably at times it's it's nearly sticks them more because again you think about traditional coaching and like you know whenever you watch it you see it a lot is you know players sitting down and being told what they did wrong and told this and told that and they switch off you can see them switching off 100 i agree with you yeah yeah 100 i guess it's trying to strike that balance between getting them to come to the conclusion but nearly coming to the right conclusion and I, I, that's the way, that's the ideal, in my opinion, Ush, is that you have guided them to come to the conclusion. I think that is, that is very, very effective learning. But like, just to give you a case in point from school, Ush, sometimes in school, because learn, there's different learners, you know, some grasp concepts and understand them more quickly than others grasp concepts. And that's just from a school standpoint in maths or in English, in Irish in history, geography, some learners will get the concept quicker than other learners. So sometimes it helps if you give them an answer and then their learning can take place from there. Because if you if I don't give them an answer or give them something close to the answer, then the learning is slowed down for them because they can't partake in the learning because they're just not getting it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. So, so it, like sometimes, and like maybe people would disagree with this, I'm just going from my own experience with teaching that sometimes it's best actually to just give them an answer and let them work in that context. But I would agree with you, Ash, what you said as well. The ideal is that they come to that conclusion themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good, though. I think, you know, there obviously is never really one clear answer when it comes to people and individuals. But uh, it's like you said, it's just choosing the right moments for it, isn't it? And I suppose being prepared. Um, and I think, I can't remember, I've seen a, a, a podcast recently, and the big thing they were talking about is, you know, an effective thing for coaching is how how well or how good your question is, you know, so being able to ask the right questions as well kind of leads you to those learning moments, but it's it's asking the right questions. Oh, like, and just to go from a teaching standpoint, right? So um, in teaching, you just call them lower, middle and higher order, question, higher order questions. So like, mm-hmm. you know, lower order questions would just be, you'd call them literal questions as in like, if they were, um, reading a comprehension piece in English, the answer is right in front of them. All they have to do is read. And I call them a hear question when I'm teaching the kids. So the answer is right in front of them. So that, you know, all they have to do is read, you know? Yes. So in, in, in games based then what you want to ask them are more kind of um, higher order questions, you know, like, how do you think that went for us? You know? Okay. Can we, yes. can we are like something like, um, what would we do? It, what would we do different now? If we go do it again, like you might start it though, Ush, with a lower order question, you know, um, what happened down on the sideline there in the last play and get them to, to answer that, you know, and then start going with the higher order questions, getting them to think about it. Does that make sense? Does, yeah. Um, and Osh, the biggest, one of the biggest things that I've learned and, uh, and Dave would, would, would absolutely echo this is that eventually, and this happens with under 11, they will tell you what they think you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, and like uh, we heard a term for it, it's called parrot talk, you know, yeah, yeah. So, like, and I've spoken to a lot of coaches about this. So, like, you know, uh, they'll say width, they'll say depth, you know. So, they will give you a buzzword and they think that's the answer. So, one of the biggest things that I've learned through coaching is if you don't probe, you know, if you don't ask them to explain that bit more to me, what do you mean when you say that? Can you give me an example in the game? You know, they're actually not learning. They're yeah. just telling you what they think you want to hear, you know? So it's like a little, um, 
it's even in the classroom they want to please you kind of you know sub, in a, at a subconscious level like you know yeah. and these players that you're coaching they want to that little bit of um dopamine hit when they think that they've they've uh, they've pleased yeah. you and they've gotten it right so that's one of the massive things and questioning us comes down to that then are you good at probing are you good at checking for understanding you know i think checking for understanding and probing are two kind of key key skills if you want to implement a games-based situation they learn far more if you're good at that yeah that's that's a brilliant point on the problem because you know the more i guess you coach particular terms the more likely they already say those things so that i think that's a brilliant point yeah oh like and like there's loads of ways you can do it you know and and this and again this is just my experience and dave's experience and like i'm not saying it's the right or wrong thing it's just my experience like but like you can get them to draw these things out you know you could get them to run it in a pattern during training or you could get them to present on it you know and that's you know you're empowering the players then is what i think when you do these kind of things you know they're the ones leading the learning then you know and and this can happen from I would say under 11s up, no problem, under 9s, they, like even under 7s, like, you know, because you'll have kids at under 7 who intuitively understand what to do, who could still teach that child at under 7, who might just be that bit behind in developing the idea of it, you know. So I think that's real parent, player empowerment when you let them kind of take over the learning in that regard. Does that make sense? Does, yeah, does. Guided, guide, obviously guided by you as the coach because you're laying out the pathway for that learning for them kind of, you know. Yeah. I guess probably one of um, the things, you know, and I've had these conversations with people is when you sort of talk about trying to sort of implement more of a game-based approach, one of the sort of criticisms would be you're not maybe getting enough uh, isolated running. So fitness can be an issue or players can do different volumes and sessions if you don't have GPSs. So I guess if, you know, and when you are implementing um, your sessions, are you having much consideration for, you know, pitch dimensions, pitch size, numbers to sort of influence like the high speed running and all those things? Or are you just purely looking at it for the quality of the or the, the coaching out of it? Uh, I, I'd be like, we've never, Oshin, we've never, um, because we've never trained a county team, right? Well, we trained the Limerick County minor team and you would, but we, we've we never really done any work with GPS. So I'm not, I'm not an authority on that. What we have done, right? is uh, another PhD that, and Paul asked us to get involved with this because he knew we had a fair handle on how to implement implement a games-based session. And just to give you an idea, Ush, of, of kind of the way we learned, now there's different ways, So, but what we always learned with, with, with Paul's um, PhD is that you always start with an initial game, all right? And in, in, in teaching, you might call it like there's these um, uh, kwl charts they're called right so what they know and then maybe what they would want to learn and then finally the l is what they've actually learned you know mm. uh, so when you train at the initial game what you're looking at is what they know so say if it was a concept like we talked about earlier on i just go with the same concept recycling mm. i actually just observe that game all right and then i bring them in and then i might ask them a small question or two about recycling what they know already and then i'll play they're called modified games or progressive games or else you might put in patterns of play if you want to unopposed team emphasis is what it's called and i'll run those machine for maybe it, it depends on the number <clears throat> so if it's 8v8 i like to play two minute games if it's 10v10s i like to go three and then if it's 12v12s i like to go four minutes and what i this is all just what um what's the word practical experience what i found is anything above that for those numbers machine they all start to dip in quality 
So if you're playing an 8 and it's high intensity for two minutes and you make it go for three, a lot of the times that last 40 seconds, the quality goes out of it. Yeah, yeah. So go two minutes for that. And then what we do is a minute in and back out, ready to go questioning. So you better be sharp on your questioning. So what we found, and Paul filmed all these sessions when he was doing the PhD, and it was so stressful because you had to time it to the, to the you know, the, the second because we did one session, right? And I'm going a long-winded way now to get to your point here. We did one session where <clears throat> Paul timed it, uh-huh. and the session started off poorly enough, so I got them in just to, 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 to talk to them again. And by the time they'd gotten back out, and by the time the session was over, the session was an hour and 15, 40 minutes of the session was talking. Mm. So like you're saying, an hour and 15 minutes, 75 minutes, and we had spent 40 minutes, so only 35 minutes activity. So straight away after that, we became ex- like... Um, what's the word, paranoid about time, Oshin, that we had to keep it to seconds. So Dave would be roaring at me during question and I'd be roaring at him. Let's go. We're out. We're out. And to take that forward then, uh, there was a guy doing a PhD up in Roscommon um, about a year, a year and a half ago, um, maybe a year ago, actually. And the idea was to compare the physical uh, activity of a traditional session, uh, which is more drills-based, versus a games-based session. And Paul said to him, you really should do it with somebody who's been through uh, implementing games-based session and knows how to keep timing. So we went up and we did four sessions. It was uh, uh, Podrick Pierce's up in Roscommon. We did it with girls and boys. And what they did was they did, I think it was they did two or three sessions of drills-based. And then we went up and we did four sessions, Oshin, of games-based. And what he had for me uh, in it was that 20 minutes of our games-based, they did as much high speed running as they had done in the entire drills based session, mm. if, if that makes sense. So from a high speed running standpoint and from uh, a physical output standpoint, the games based blew away the, the traditional. So yeah. that, like that's where our, that would be the limit of our experience though, Shane, with, with GPSs. So when we design games, even for UL or anything like that, I'm just designing them for learning. I'm not designing yeah. them for, for physical output because I don't have the, I don't have the GPS first of all, and I don't have the knowledge, you know? Yeah. Um, so two things and I double back on the kind of uh, ask you so I learn it better. The first thing is maybe adding on to one of the points you made there, which was um one of the hurling teams I'm working with this year. I wanted to start to look at what's the, the ball in play time versus rest time in games. So like what's your actual work to rest ratio in a match? Yes. And um, looking at, at just a few games so far, basically what you kind of tend to find is at least in hurling, I know I think Gaelic would be different, but in hurling, it's very rare that a play lasts longer than a minute. It's mm. very rare that that happens. And then the rest time is always incomplete. So it's always very short rest times. So mm. the average, I think, work time was in the region of 20 to 30 seconds. And the average rest time was in the region of 20 to 30 seconds throughout a full hour session. So for me, I was looking at you thinking, if you're planning a session or if you're trying to plan a, a very uh, game-based session, you have to be working in those work to rest ratios, you know, for at least 30 minutes to make yeah. it anyway similar or else you're not conditioning yourself. So I guess it's trying to, when you're creating those games, trying to not speak for minutes on end afterwards that you're, because it never happens in the game. And Osh, if I may follow in on that, like um, two, just two things on that, right? Also, Oshin, like if you're just doing running, all right, like I would feel that a massive part of um, 
hurling and football is also, you know, accelerations and decelerations, you know. So if all you're doing is running, you know, you're not practicing, which take up a huge amount of energy, acceleration and deceleration, whereas a game naturally facilitates that. This, like, it, 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 it makes perfect sense to me that way. Like, so you could do your, you know, your, I don't know what, uh, your 400s. Back in our day when we trained, it was 200s, 400s, 800s. But actually the game is kind of more conducive to allowing them to condition the way that they're going to play, kind of, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think you'd be the expert on that now, not me. So I know. And like, I agree with everything you're saying. I think the difficulty, and this is where I've, I've seen it in all our places is um, if you don't have all the coaches on the same page. So, you know, me and you could be in coaching a team, but maybe the other coach doesn't really agree with that philosophy. Yeah. So if you can't maybe do it for the full session, you know, at times I find you do have to add an isolated run because yeah, yeah. you just can't get enough. So I guess it's if you can if you can have everybody on the same page and working off the same hymn sheet, you know, and you have the data to back it up, you shouldn't need to do it. But it's a challenge to get everybody on the same page, you know. Um definitely, yeah, definitely. Which is part I, of it. Like but it would be it would be like that's something that I'd love to do is work with that because I'm always fascinated by um the 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 effort that's required to go into a session and actually what's the, what's the what are the metrics of a session if we ran a games based session you know I mean all I was getting was loose information from the PhD study but I, I still thought it fascinating like you know Paul would maintain that there's no right to it like you know I remember what was it like we like for the miners we, we used to do a burst of games and then we might put in a nice little block of maybe 10 80 meter runs or something back break back into a game might do that once or twice um i'd say paul would say that you could you could do it both ways uh from his experience but like again i'm not i'm not an expert on it so um mostly pr primarily where i'm designing the session machine based on the learning the games yeah. and the learning that's it just to double back on one of my other points um you were talking about this is a wee bit back was on um you know the kind of general setup for one of those sessions so the way you sort of looked at it was if it was around recycling the ball you would start with the game, see what they kind of know off that. And then did you sort of say you would maybe go into like patterns of play or break it down into smaller sections and then yeah. back into the games again? So like it, uh, it it depends, okay? So it, it, it would be an initial game. And like, again, like I said before, like you just wanted to see what they know, Ush. And then you play, you'll always, uh, in, in one of these type sessions, you'll play that game at the end because that's your gauge as a coach to see what they've learned. You know, yeah. so you can compare the initial game and your job really in the initial game is you just observe, you know, yeah. you, and you might encourage good, good bits of play, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you just observe and then you can go back to the game at the end. But in between, right, in teaching, it's called scaffolding. We want to kind of scaffold that learning then. So yeah. it could be a progressive game where you're putting in a condition, Oshin, that you reward a recycle. You know, yes. you know, you might have a scoring system in training, whereas if they recycle it, you reward um, you give them a point for it or something like that, um, and then you might have another game where it's or, or it could be just it could be an unopposed uh, we call it team emphasis or uh, uh, you can call it a pattern of play or something like that, where you actually have them running one unopposed patterns, but there has to be there has to be a recycle, so they have to go from one lane on a wing to the other lane while they're building the ball up the pitch, and they obviously then can build it back down and back up so that they're going through that, and you're just trying to uh what's the word uh imp not impl implant a pattern into their head that they understand it basically and so then you might if say if you had 32 you know 88s 
then you might have an eight v eight playing that modified game or that progressive game that you said, and then you might have sixteen of them running the patterns in two eights, kind of, you know. And then they might swap so that they're exposed to both, you know. So you might do an initial game, you might do, you know, four two minute games of 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 the the scoring system game where you're rewarding the recycle. Then you might do four two minute bursts of um, uh, recycle patterns and then swap. And then you might go back to your initial game then at the end to, to see see how they learned it. Does that yeah. make sense? I, I think that's that's a brilliant way to to teach a, a principle. Um, kind of like as you're saying that, I'm thinking in my head what we're going to do this week. Um, I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's, a, it's a brilliant way to, to try and implement something. I think that's brilliant. Um, I'm taking notes as we go here. Um, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> um, so... I guess some of the other questions I had um, talking maybe, and I'm conscious of your time here, um, maybe looking at, you know, this season at the senior level, like was there trends that you had noticed in in the way teams were playing or teams being coached? Was there anything you thought was interesting that stood out to you? Derry. Yeah. Derry, yeah. Now, I don't know how uh, Rory Gallagher coaches the team, but um, they certainly brought something different to the table this year, like, you know, yeah. Uh, like I actually am just after breaking down a video of their their kickouts against Galway because they and I heard this on do you know the football pod uh, yeah. who's in it um, Paddy Andrews oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah I like I like listening to Jets they're they're they're, yeah. they're they're a good listen but they were asking Kieran Malloy about the kickouts so I said you know what I'll just go have back and have a look and Derry had a, have a lovely because you have to be innovative with kickouts so you know the the first one was obviously the bunch you know so everybody then started bunching you know Sheen and then. Uh, Tyrone had a lovely tactic against Kerry uh, when they won the All-Ireland they completely overloaded one side literally with almost every player except they kept I think it was uh, Myler on the other wing uh, at times I thought that was a lovely tactic yeah. that Tyrone did and then this year watching that Derry game Derry had a lovely tactic where they'd, they'd have six or five to six players along the D uh, and you know just literally overload the D and uh, they'd easily get a short off and that worked well for them in the first half and like if you think of the logic of it, if Galway followed in, then it would create more space outside. Yeah. So it was a lovely, lovely uh, variation of the kickout. But Galway then just overloaded the D in the second half and said, "Grand, if you're going to bring in six, we'll bring in six, kind of, and forced them kind of to go along by by going zonal." You know, I thought that was very innovative, nice short kickout. But going forward, Derry were really, uh, I thought it was different. Like I hadn't seen it before, and I thought fair play to Gallagher, man. You can give out about him being a defensive coach, but he's a thinker. You know, if it was. Like I thought they intentionally slowed down the play, Oshin. Yeah. So that like because I was oft, often wondering and I chatted to other coaches about this. How does Shane McGuigan get back up the field, yeah. you know, and be effective if they're 14 behind the ball? You know, how did he do? Because physically it would be an arduous task, like you know. And I just Monaghan game I was looking at, and they intentionally slowed down the play and then left six behind, plus the keeper, so they'd always have an overload in possession, and then set up their attack in formation kind of. So that was the first thing. And then against Clare, it was very obvious then that they had about five players, if not six, inside the 21 crit. Very different. Very different. So I thought, like, yeah. very, very eye-catching to me. I, like, even as well, you know, I think you got a better perspective when you watched them live, but the way they would have always had maybe two men really hugging wide on the wings, and then they brought their yeah. men in, and it just created so much space that yeah. sometimes just, they just didn't know how to... How they stopped the runs and created so many opportunities, you know, around the D for them to create that space. Oh, and like they had athletes then running onto the ball, like Connor Glass is a fabulous athlete. And um, 
Uh, the the centre back had a brilliant game against Monaghan. I don't know his name. Um, he's a very good player. Uh, McKinless. McKinless, yes, very good. So they, they like so they kind of isolated the athletes and and you know hope that they'd be able to break down. Now they did it very effectively against Clare, but then Galway were kind of smart enough then in the semi because they knew that Derry do that, but they knew that Derry don't really give in long ball, you know. Yeah. So they all stood. It to me it looked like they all stood two three yards in front of their men, you know, because they yeah. knew they were kind of weren't going to get ball. Like so they had to. You know, I thought it was cute what Galway did then. So it'll be interesting to see what teams do against Derry next year now because they're very effective. It will, and it'll be interesting to see if you know if Derry take another step on with that sort of innovation stuff. But you know, from from talking to the lads and, and just being up around there, there's just a brilliant buzz around it, and there's um yeah. such a good feeling that you know as a supporter you hope it keeps going that way, and you imagine it it will like because it does seem like what they're doing is it's no fluke. You know, they're putting in a lot of work to get it. Like oh yeah, and like Oshin, what's kind of it's. That innovation, like that real innovation that Derry brought to the table, was lost in the discussion about just being a defensive setup, you know, and that, that's a shame, you know, like you have this absolutely, you know, original way of trying to play the game, you know, different to what I haven't seen the likes of it, different to what most teams have done. Like Dublin were the absolute pioneers for me. Well, I suppose you could go back to Donegal, but Dublin just completely yeah. took it up, like, you know. And Derry now have something different then. And it was lost. You know, this app, this real original, unique way of kind of trying to break down a defense was lost because people were just like, they're so defensive. You know, I just thought yeah. it was a pity, like, you know. I um I done the last podcast with Kevin Walsh and we kind of were just talking about this. And I was saying, you know, when you watch soccer and a soccer game will finish 1-0, 2-0. And, yeah. you know, we'll talk about Guardiola or Arteta and like how innovative they are and everything they do. Yeah. But there's maybe only one goal scored or two goals scored, you know. But Gaelic, yeah. even though there's that same innovation happening, it's only getting better each year. It doesn't yeah. any any level of the same credit, you know, which is written yeah. whenever you see it. And you see, it's I think it's oftentimes uh, compared to hurling, but like you have to factor in the fact that you can score from 100 yards in hurling. Yeah, you know, I mean, some somebody's like. You know, so it's far easier to score in hurling. Like, you know, and if hurling, if the ball was heavier in hurling, you might see a lot more of it as well. Like, you know, lo- like, but I, as far as I'm aware, the scoring trends in Gaelic football have only been up. Yeah. You know, well, um, like Derry, yeah. Derry scored very highly, you know, up yeah. until the Galway game, they scored very high, but they did not get that for some reason. They didn't, they didn't get any mention of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, and look, that's, I suppose people would be like that. And I just think sometimes it's an awful trend to criticize as opposed to, just you know what is it carl young had a great phrase you know it's it's hard to think so people just end up judging yeah you know so that's why i look at it i just thought fair play to him uh very innovative yeah no i think everyone's sort of seen that you just hope it keeps therefore i would say one thing we're off now so it doesn't matter you can edit it you can play the games right and we play the games but unless you are very good at getting to think about the learning and like i would say you made a point earlier on in the podcast about talking you know, yeah. and this to me is like the biggest thing is how precise can you be with what you want them to learn? Because like all of it, we love our voices. Like, mm-hmm. and the, the biggest thing that I found with coaching is a lot of coaches keep talking. And Paul sent me on this very good research paper on questioning. So it was soccer, and they were questioning, right? But half the players zoned out in the question. Yeah. You know, so like, terms of you might be asking one fella a question, but you should really be checking for learning from another fella after one fella's answered, kind of. You know. 
Yeah. And at half time before the game, like, so what we did, because I was coaching Limerick 15s, Ush, I have the principals on a board, nonstop, nonstop showing them the principles and asking them to tell me what the principles mean. Nonstop during the game, refer to the principles, you know, because if something's gone wrong, it's actually, it has to be one of those things, you know. Aside from tactical, it has to be one of those principles. So we have a board for the Limerick under 15s of all the principles that we've tried to embed into them. And at halftime, that's what we talk about. Before the game, that's what we talk about because that's what we're teaching them. Does that make yeah. sense? If yeah. I go off in a fucking they're not they're not learning anything so they're going off on to the second half and they don't even know what to do whereas if i refer to the principles the whole time they always focus and it's just such a simple thing to redirect their attention to you know even with yeah. sigerson i go back to basics 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 because every game i watch it all comes down to not executing basic stuff like ball watching or tracking runners or fucking early delivery or recycle quickly it always comes back down to it you know so you can yeah. have systems and systems it all comes back down to the basics. So that to me is something like we coach the minors and I think we made the, the, the message way too hard for them. You know, mm-hmm. the minors and it's just like they, they tank, like you wouldn't have thought we did any fucking game best with them. You know what I mean? I don't mind you saying this to anyone, like, you know, but like I do a lot of soul searching after that because um, it just didn't go out the way it went. And I just came to the conclusion that we made it too complicated. We should have kept it far more simple for them, you know? Yeah, if that makes sense. And from then on, I said, I'm going to have principles, principles, principles. That's what I'm always referring to kind of stuff, you know? I That makes a lot of sense. And that's... Going that way. Um, I guess maybe where they sort of end up on is maybe just giving a rundown again on what you offer with GameSense and where people can find that all at. And um, um, a link to Twitter as well, because... Uh, this is one of the reasons why I, I got John's because our group chat for football this year was always being sent in your videos on Twitter so they're, they're doing the rounds <laughs> so maybe um, just let people know about where they can find out more than just them clips um, it's probably the same as yourself like it's I think that there's so much to learn about both hurling and football like that and I um, I don't think like there's some very good stuff on Twitter now, to be fair now. There's a lot of people doing good stuff. And um, I think there's a fellow in Hurling. He's no plan B. He does lovely videos. There's a load of fellas now starting to do in the football. Yeah. But like, like that's the idea of it. Like, so our, our website caters from under sevens all the way to adult. And because I train the school team machine and the school team has under 11s and under 12s in it. And I can promise you 100% they love it, but they also learn. Like, yeah. so we, we, and, and, and you might win and it's not about winning like you know we also train the girls under 14s in it there and they love it and the difference and this was only training them once a week you know on a Monday from the start to the end was colossal in the way they played the game you know and so like the website gives you loads of games and stuff like that with animations and the idea will be eventually that you can go in and you can um, click on a game and do up a session on the website and then you can run that session yourself basically you know so it kind of trying to make it as easy as possible for a coach who might be time have time constraints that they can go onto the website that they, they would have to look through it a bit first but eventually it'll be oh this game this game this game this game yeah they love that there's my six stations i'm ready to go for under sevens and then from the adult side it's it's the hurling and football broken into all the teams of the game so you can go into defending oh this game this game this game i like those and and uh, and run it basically so also ushers obviously then trying to expand on it so is um, we're hoping to do up a suite of coaching videos so that you can go onto our website. Uh, we're developing them now, but they, they will take a while. You can go onto our website and you can look at 
five videos and the videos would be no more than four minutes long the first one is this is the initial game so you can watch a, se a session and okay that's the initial game and this is what you do in the initial game here's a modified game here's some questions that you could ask so you can see the coach in live so it might give you an idea of how to run mm -hmm. uh, a games based session so that you'd have a whole suite of those videos and we're hoping to get them from adult all the way down to, to, to underage so coaches can go in and just look at the videos and then use the games to run a games based session so that they can learn so that's the long run of it um it it does take quite a bit of time and you know we're busy enough as it is but it's extremely enjoyable i have to say very enjoyable very rewarding you know yeah now i'll think oh, and it's gonna have our sorry our twitter handle is at oh my god i think it's at gaa sense i think it is i'll i'll check it and, and mention it beforehand <laughs> then I? and the, the website is gamesensecoaching.com i know yeah. that one <laughs> <laughs> i'll uh, i'll make sure to mention the correct ones anyway beforehand um okay but here i think um i think what you're doing is brilliant i think it it's educating people more on you know like we're saying those things with Terry, where they're doing some brilliant things and they're maybe not getting the recognition so i think all that stuff you're doing and the resources is brilliant so um for me like i appreciate it because i'm taking a lot from it and then this today i've got two pages of notes here so um <laughs> i'll be you're looking forward to implementing so now here i really enjoyed enjoy talking yeah, to you yeah yeah very good very good to talk thanks a million not a problem not a problem right um so i'll get that edited up and get it um get it uploaded maybe today's wednesday so maybe in, in the next few days or for monday and i'll i'll send you it over and stuff um and then i'll i'll link your your pages and stuff then um with everything too but um now here i actually really enjoyed it and there's a lot i i've, I've taken from that so um hopefully i'll get a chat again soon and um yeah keep uh keep in contact